Recording? Yeah, recording. This is Mom's Basement Podcast, episode 44. I have food lodged in my throat edition. Uh, yeah, well, we get to answer the question. Um, we don't really have a question today. We just have a lot of answers. Well, we've got six questions. Holy shit. Yeah. So, what we were thinking of doing tonight is, um, well, we're starting the podcast late. We're sleep-deprived, and we think we're going to go back to the classics, the classics that no one listened to at all. Way, way, way back in 2010, probably? Yeah, late 2010, when Mom's Basement Podcast was first getting started, we recorded an episode we called Topic Wank. And basically what we did is we pulled topics out of a hat. Well, we all came up with a few topics, and then we just drew them out of a hat at random, and we talked about it. And it was a disaster, so we figured, why not do it again, right? Yeah. So we can't use a hat this time because we're on the Internet, and we can't. I mean, I'm sure there's some program that simulates pulling things out of a hat. I actually tried to look for one and couldn't find one, but I'm sure it exists because everything's on the Internet. But uh, so what we're going to do is Rudy's going to roll a die. We've got two types of topic. We've got serious topics. Serious face. You know, as serious as we get for Mom's Basement Podcast, which isn't very fucking serious. And we have jack-off, like, goofy topics. Each one of us has one of each type of topic. We've got a D6 out, and Rudy's going to roll the D6, and based on the result of the D6, we'll determine who's going to talk and which of their two topics they're going to mention. And we're going to try to do this lightning round style. And uh, we, set a, we set a timer the first time we did this. Yeah. And we're going to set a timer this time. I think we'll set the timer for 10 minutes. Uh, 10 minutes per topic. Let's see if this online timer I just found works. It does. Wow, that's, that's really fucking annoying. Uh-huh. annoying. That's perfect. Okay. So, <laughs> we'll set the... We'll set the timer to 10 minutes, and at the end of 10 minutes, set obnoxious noise will sound, and it will let us know that we need to wrap it the fuck up. Okay. All right. And we'll move on to the next stop. All right, so Rudy, I believe, is in charge of rolling the dice. Yep. Ready to roll. Oh, shit. We're started. Four. Four. Oh, that's my oh, that's serious time. That's business one. Okay. Let me get the timer started here. Okay, 10 minutes on the timer. Here's my serious topic. Of all the RPGs that you've played or read, which one do you most wish you had designed yourself? Now, I'm not asking you what's your favorite RPG. I'm asking which game did you pick up and look at and read and say, fuck, I wish I had made that because it fits my design ethos or because it's just the the way I like to design games or because it accomplishes some goal that I've been trying to accomplish myself in my designs. Okay, something like that. 
All right. Um, boy, let me think for, for just a second here. Well, I have you know what? my mouth uh, because this is vintage mom's basement podcast style when we did not give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> here. While you, oh, you got it? Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say Grey Ranks uh, by Jason Morningstar. Wish I designed that game. Rudy, are you playing with your mic? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I could hear that. Um, gray ranks. Why gray ranks? Um, well, just the subject matter of, like, kids, like, in the Polish resistance fighting the Nazis and shit. And it's, like, about teenage romance and teenage affairs during that period of, like, the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising and that kind of shit. I just think that those are, like, two really cool things that go together, I think. That's just really cool. It gets at two of your favorite topics, right? The Holocaust yep. and teen angst. And teen angst, yep. <laughs> and you've actually designed, I wanted to talk to you about this, because you've designed a lot of games about teen angst, which is kind of a funny thing for me, knowing you, because you didn't seem like a very angsty teenager. You're kind of an angsty adult, but as a teenager, you seem kind of happy. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess... Um... Maybe my angst is coming out in my design or something. My true angst. It could be delayed angst as well. Right, yeah. That's true. All right, so gray ranks for Rudy. Alex? Nothing. Nothing? I mean, seriously, I'll give an actual explanation besides just saying nothing and moving okay. on. <laughs> okay. Um, basically, whenever I saw a game, if there was something, if I liked a game... I did not feel, even though that I do like to design games, I never felt that envy of or that jealousy that would make me want to go like, man, I really wanted to make this game. This really spoke to me. Well, it, does, it doesn't have to be envy. It could be admiration. You know, they got to it first, but... Still, like, I've never felt any of that, like... Like, oh, why didn't I think of this? Or, you know, I, I never felt any of the thoughts that you guys are talking about with the regards of the question. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I appreciate it. And I said, yes, I am glad this came into my life if I really liked it. Okay. But I never wanted to make I, I never want I never felt any 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 of those kind of thoughts when it came to seeing it in action. Like, okay. oh, man, why couldn't I have made this? Like, oh, I'm so glad this, somebody made this. It, um, I mean, like, the biggest, like, you know, answer I could probably give would probably be, like, Mage Knights, because I always wanted to have pre-painted figures, and, you know, I was able to get that because of it. Okay. That, so, that would be my, that would be the only small, like, the, the, like, the most, like, thinnest of answers, because, you know, it's cool and all, but, like, <laughs> it, it wasn't, like, OMG amazing. Be- because I would I would I would just do what I normally did, which was go go buy little small toys, and it would be the equivalent. That's true. But that's still an answer. There you go. Okay. For mine, I have to say, and probably Rudy, can you guess it? Can you guess what I'm going to say? Mm. Harkin. <laughs> no, that's uh, Death's Door by James Brown. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, no, you know, not really, because I did make Dance Macabre before I discovered yeah. Death Star. And Dance Macabre and Death Star doesn't have, they don't have much overlap in terms of mechanics. Right. So 
I feel like death being as big a topic as it is, there's more than enough space in this in this universe for two RPGs about confronting death. No, yeah. um, I have to say it's They Became Flesh by Elizabeth Sandow. Oh, right. Uh, just for the reason that I was half, she she lapped me on that design. I was halfway there figuring it out, and then <laughs> Ronnie's came, and bam, she had it together, and she had it together in a way that I never could have done. Um, just, well, I had been working on a game that was going to be um, an Old Testament style RPG, you know, because Rudy said. Hey, you need to make a Bible RPG. I want to play a Bible RPG. And I was thinking about, well, how the hell do you do it? So, and I had gotten to the idea of having two GMs, one to represent... Well, in Elizabeth's game, one represents humanity and one represents God, right? In my game, one was going to represent God and one was going to represent the tribe of Israel, with the rest of humanity being played by God, the God GM, just because all the non-Jewish characters in the Old Testament are basically just tools that God is using to tempt the Jews, you know, or, or to manipulate them or to get them to lapse or whatever. But anyway, she, she got to the 2GM concept first, and she also thought to mix in the uh, fallen angel, angel, you know, demons element, which I, I really love the concept of demon the fallen, and Demon the Fallen was always the game that I did that I wanted to play, but didn't want to play with the rules <laughs> because I hated. Well, I don't. Hate, yeah, I do hate White Wolf rules. I'll just be honest here. Can't stand them. But um, but I loved the concept of Demon the Fallen. So she took Demon the Fallen, mixed it up with, added in like real moral ambiguity, not White Wolf style moral ambiguity, and added. And also added the um, Old Testament biblical elements and stuff that I had been trying to create for my own game. She has the 2GM system, which I thought would be a really good idea. And she had the uh, trying to think of exactly what the word what what it was, but there's a system for um, for calculating favor with God and things like that too, which is something that I wanted to include in the game that I was going to design. So it was really the first and probably only time where I looked at a game and said, shit. <laughs> you know, and you feel two things. On one hand, you feel like, oh, my God, this game's amazing. And on the other hand, you say, aww, <laughs> I wanted to make that. And now it's been made better than I ever could. But, uh, yeah, so, so that, that game, definitely they became flesh for me. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got two minutes left. Oh, one side note for the uh, for for that uh, when you're talking about White Wolf games, mm -hmm. I also don't like White Wolf games unless they're automated, like the computer versions of the game. Mm. Mm. Remember what I was telling you about? Because you like let's go since we're going vintage, let's go to the Wayback Machine to episode uh, 24 where they talked about Ingenero and vampires. Mm. And then I I mentioned to you on the forums about hey uh, I like Vampire of uh, the Masquerade uh, you know like like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Check out the, that computer game Bloodlines mm. or mm. Uh, Redemption. And when they automate shit, it is amazing game because it, it like when they when they get, when they get rid of the bullshit of the game, it's actually fun. Yeah. The die rolls is the bullshit. I just want the actual <laughs> action. Because um, there's so much... They focus more... It's kind of weird because with uh, with the World of Darkness series, they try to focus on immersion over dice. 
like in terms of like how, this is how you should be addicted to this game is the immersion and they they they, they defy you to be immersed by throwing all this complicated shit that you don't need. Yeah. That's my piece on it. Yeah, I I agree with pretty much all of that. Uh, Rudy, we've got 30 seconds left. Any final thoughts on this topic? Uh, not really, but let me say that I think that uh, Bloodlines kind of sucked. I do like Redemption, though. That was cool. Well, I, 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 uh, did you uh, do the, the full patch where they actually fixed everything? Because even then... No, no, I didn't, actually. But I remember it being buggy as shit. Yeah, the full, the, the, the full patch fixed everything, and it was actually playable. I agree with you. I played it before the update, and it was terrible as hell. Yeah. Okay, two, one... Oh, there's that obnoxious fucking timer. That topic must be done. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Number one. That is Alex's bullshit topic. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to talk about music in gaming. How do you guys feel when people want to bring music to the role-playing scene of a game? Whether it could be like, you know, the... Uh, the high, uh, you know, freaking, um, you know, the uh, the march of the uh, of the Sith or anything like that, you know, where they start, you know, using orchestral things for like more important scenes and blah blah blah. How you feel when people use it for theming um, scenes? Hmm. I um. Well, what do you feel, Alex? I am not a fan because it's another form of manipulation and. I would rather we focus on the actual game instead of trying to make me be more entranced with the nonsense that you're trying to throw at me. Because the reason why is music is a um, it's a signal, it's a form of communication, and it is one of the simplest ways to get past the, I think it's uh, whatever part of your brain that's in charge of judgment and thought. It's, it, music bypasses that thought process. So whenever you have music, it can uh, help make it to where words are easier to go through you in terms of, you know, getting to your core to manipulate you. And so when people use music, I think of that as a uh, as a warning sign mm. uh, because yeah. it means that they're trying to they're going to try and do some shit to me. Huh. And um, yeah, I can't stand that. I mean, it's my fault for understanding some form of psychobabble, but um, but yeah, overall music is a, is a terrible thing because it's just brainwashing 101. I uh, I sort of agree with that, but I also think that music is great when it's used like basically as a backdrop for the role plan. Like um, like you just have it on in the background, you kind of forget about it, and a good song comes on part way through, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that kind of connects to all of this shit. Yeah, umbop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rudy, what kind of um role playing are you talking about? Are you talking about like beer and pretzels? Yeah, sitting down at the table. Or are you talking about more engaged, like role playing? Well, I guess it could be either, but I was thinking more of the beer and pretzels style shit, where you're just kind of, you know, passing the Cheetos, and everybody's happy, and music comes on, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, um, I I agree with that. I like that. I have to say, I have a dog in this race, to use that cliche, because I designed a game where that involves where playing music while you're playing the game is an integral part of play. It's a core mechanic of the game, and that would be Dance Macabre, which got mentioned just in the last question. But um, 
part of that is because the game is um, inspired by musical chairs. It's kind of playing musical chairs, except uh, when you when the uh, you find out that your chair is missing, it's not go in the corner and wait for the next game. It's you're dead. Huh. It, well, it doesn't use actual chairs, but that was that's the principle there. So I don't know. I think that well, it would be hard for me to come out against <laughs> using music in games for that reason, and. I found in that game, you know, picking the right soundtrack is very important. Uh, you know, we usually we've used classical music, but we've used other things depending on the setting. And and we used Christmas music at one point when we were yep. doing Christmas themed um, session. And uh, yeah, and I think that in that game, which is a very kind of Jeep Forum style stripped down, you know, very role-playing centric game. I found that find, having that played in the background, playing, having music playing in the back, background, as long as it's not too intrusive, can be inspirational, can uh, help to drive play a little bit, help to uh, give play some rhythm, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I've also found that it's really fun to incorporate music into outlandish campaigns into campaigns where uh, like, like if you have a D&D campaign Rudy used to run a D&D campaign that was really over the top and uh, it included really um, not grandiose characters but you know exaggerated characters characters who thought they were grandiose but were really kind of buffoons and I, and I found that like using music every once in a while in that game and having the characters acknowledge that the music was playing Mm-hmm. was a lot of fun, you know. Um, I don't know, so, so I guess I, I really don't see any problem with it at all. Yeah, it's manipulative, and I if I'm watching a TV show and I start playing the sappy music, and it's like, oh, we want you to feel bad, or we want you to know that someone's about to die, or we want you to, you know, <laughs> then I'm like, oh, come on, you know. Unless it's integrated well, once again, and sometimes it works. But I don't think that there's anything really wrong with that kind of manipulation in a role-playing game. I think anything that helps people get more engaged and more into what's going on is a good thing, even if it's a little manipulative, because frankly, um, this is a manipulative medium. It's about yeah. trying to get people in the right mindset to, to really engage with the game. And if music helps you accomplish that, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. All right. It's just one of those things where I, I don't need it. Therefore, I don't want to have. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, I don't need to have it exposed to me. Okay. And, and plus, I have all that baggage of knowing what it's all about. Right. And we have three minutes and nineteen seconds to chime in on this topic. Maybe like your favorite moments playing with music or something. <laughs> or Alex, your least favorite moment. Has anyone ever tried to shove music in a game down your throat, Alex? Oh, yeah, uh, quite a bit. And uh, one of them was um, this guy wanted to play techno music in the background while, uh, while we, we did something that involved cyberpunk-ish shit. And uh, the beats per minute and the uh, the... You know the car alarm going off, man. It's where I just wanted to <laughs> shut down. Yeah. So yeah, that that was a bad time. It was used. I mean, like the only good-ish time. I mean, like that's like 
the like the ishes of ish in terms of good was when somebody played like tropical music when we were doing a a, a party scene. Oh, okay. Mm. And that it was like the 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 maybe maybe good because it was tolerable, but it wasn't it wasn't no it wasn't too it wasn't too you know, it wasn't great, but it was at least it was I can accept it. It didn't help the scene whatsoever. It was just like, oh, okay, cool. Rudy? <laughs> yeah, I'd say um, my favorite uh, music music related uh, moment during a campaign was in that campaign you were talking about um, that was really over the top that I ran. Yeah. Um, like, basically, I had this NPC where basically if the party got in over their head or, you know, some ass needed to be kicked, this dude would come in. And uh, we would play this song, the Godsmack song, I Stand Alone. Because <laughs> 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 this dude would just come in and totally rape everything. And he basically took the whole battle by himself, and it was cool. And also, there was a joke, a running joke about um, the Scorpion King, which I think was out at the time, the movie yeah. with uh, the rock in it. <laughs> Dude, you're dating us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, that it just kind of came together really well. Okay. Well, we've got a minute left. Uh, I, you know, I already talked about some good experiences. I want to I want to mention one disaster, though. One warning to other unprofessional podcasters. Way <laughs> yeah. back in the early days of Mom's Basement, when we were even more unprofessional than we are now, we recorded the actual play of a game I made called Shade, which is still in development. But anyway, uh, during that game, there was a rave scene... And we decided it'd be a good idea to turn on Rudy's computer and crank some, like, shitty music up real loud and play over that while we were recording. Now, for one thing, if you're going to do this, don't put the uh, recording device right next to those computer speakers. <laughs> and another thing, just don't do it at all, because the end result was a fu- oh, oh, there's the alarm. Uh-oh. Silenced. No, just finish your sentence and then we'll move on. Speaking of having things play over you as you speak, yeah, you couldn't hear what anyone was saying. The scene was totally fucked and lost. We put it online anyway, but it was a disaster. Alrighty. That is number five. That's my odd topic. Okay. My, uh, my special topic. So uh, right now we're going to talk about um, Captain Maul from Firefly. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> no, Goram it. Goram. This is what I get for <laughs> suggesting this. Yeah. <laughs> now we've so, got ten minutes to fucking talk. <laughs> okay, Rudy. So yeah, I mean, Captain Maul, um, I just think is really badass. For those of you that don't know, Firefly is a show that's kind of combines like the Western genre with the out in space, you know, shooting stuff with blasters genre. And uh, Captain Maul is the captain of the ship, uh, the Firefly. And basically, he's played by, what's the dude's name, Nathan Fillion? Yep. I have that right, yeah. But the dude's basically like a total hunk. And like, I don't know, I just absolutely love the character because he's so snarky. and He, he always has has a snark for the situation, a little quip for the situation. Well, he's, he's and also, he's a really sexy man. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, Alex, have you even seen Firefly? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces across TV one time, and uh, I-, I-, I am surprised people like it. <laughs> I mostly agree. <laughs> you know what? The first time I saw I saw Serenity the movie first, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. And then I saw the movie a second time because it was on HBO, so it was coming on like every night. And I saw the movie a second time, and I still didn't like it. And I saw the movie a third time, and I was like, "Yeah, this is awesome." <laughs> and then I had to go watch the TV show. What I want to know, Rudy. So, did it beat you into submission of liking it, or did it like it did. was it so? Well, was it so overwhelming, like the subject of pure awesomeness, that it took you a few tries to get used to it? No, I really just—I was just kind of beat into submission by it, and it's like, yeah, I guess I'll <laughs> over on this one. See, because I yeah. used to like hate it. I used to vehemently not like Firefly. Or I remember that, and I was like, wow, that show fucking sucks. And like, then I watched. I watched Serenity and watched a few episodes of Firefly, and it just, I don't know, it was love. See, Rudy, this is where you and I differ. <laughs> Usually, when I, first of all, I generally won't watch a movie unless I've read all of the reviews, well, not all of the reviews, but I've read some reviews, I've looked at it on Rotten Tomatoes and decided I might like this movie. Mm-hmm. And then if I find while I'm watching it that I don't like it, if I can turn it off, I will turn it off. <laughs> and if I can't turn it off, I will certainly never never watch the movie again. <laughs> um, I, I did watch Serenity though. I watched it all the way through, and I thought it was a rather it was an okay, rather mediocre film. It had one really awesome scene where they tie the bot all of the bodies of their dead friends to this spaceship oh, yeah. and use it to enter Reaver's space. Uh, but otherwise, I thought it was watchable, but not that fantastic. It was on the sci- on Sci-Fi Channel, I don't know, a few months ago, and I happened to be with my family somewhere, and they turned it on. And my sister is a big Firefly fan and insisted that we watch it. I wasn't able to sit through it a second time, through. And I, <laughs> Rudy has tried to show me Firefly. And get me to watch it. I'm like, nah, this really, I'm just not, I don't know. It's just, I don't know, underwhelming. It's not, like, offensive. It's not like, ugh. You know, I don't get the same disgusted feeling I get when I watch most genre shows. But it's just not very compelling, I guess. I'm not, it doesn't get me excited. I, I will admit Captain Maul, though, is an okay character. There were actually two really good moments of Serenity, and the other one is his, uh, do you want to be the captain? And then the guy says yes. Yeah, do you want to run this ship? Oh, there you go. You remember it, Rudy. You've seen it. You can quote it. Quote it. Yeah, well, he says, basically, do you want to run this ship? And the other guy's like, yeah. And he's like, well, you can't. So there. (laughs) And that's... But, But, yeah, I don't know. Captain Maul is just... And normally I don't really go for characters like this who are, you know, snarky and kind of, I don't know. But this character, for whatever reason, I just love the shit out of. Hmm. And uh, as I said, the first time I watched this, uh, I watched Serenity, I fucking hated it and thought it was garbage. But maybe maybe there was something there that I saw <laughs> that <laughs> that I just couldn't get over, and so I watched it again. 
And uh, then eventually, it, as I said, it was just beat into submission by it. And, uh, yeah. So what was it about the series or the movie that changed your mind? See, I'm still not sure about that. I want to say that it's the setting, but the setting wasn't particularly fleshed out in the movie. I got an idea, Rudy. I think I got an yeah. idea of why, why, why it is. You looked at it and you said, this has to get better. <laughs> and then you said, oh, I'll watch it again to see if it does get better a second time. Look, I'll have to watch it again a third time to see if it gets better. And then finally, your expectations lowered enough to the point where you go, I really like this. Hey, you know, that that might actually be it. No, I, I realize how insulting that is because people love the shit out of that movie but or that series. But, I mean, let's face it. It's no James West. Okay, it's no, it's no Robert Conrad in the Wild Wild West. It's that is Firefly better. Yeah, but it doesn't have the laser guns and shit though. Oh yeah, it it's it's also was a series that was done in 1969. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rudy, have you ever just have you ever considered that maybe you just really love Star Wars? And that it took watching Serenity three times to realize that it's Star Wars. <laughs> uh, maybe that could be it. But with more engine trouble and with yeah, more so attractive love, female I, leads. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely love the engine trouble stuff. That, that definitely gets me pretty hard. But other than that, I really don't know what it is. Because, I mean, I don't watch a lot of, like, TV shows. I mean, I watch Game of Bones and uh, fucking... I watched Walking Dead for one season, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much been it for the past like few years. And so, for me to watch a TV show from like start to finish, that's like unheard of, basically. Yeah, even if that's only thirteen episodes. Even if it's only thirteen episodes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, seriously, man! Wild Wild West. Oh, it was also known as How the West Was Won. Huh. You're gonna want to watch that. It's it's full yeah, of epic and awesome win. Check it out. I've only seen the terrible Will Smith movie, but I understand that that's not that's even the terrible. Uh, that's the adaptation, not the show. Right. So so like in in the show, is there like steampunk shit and like a bunch? Uh, of it's all about steampunk shit because it's Civil War era, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a spy who does uh, like stuff in the Civil War time. So there's all kinds of wacky gadgets and shit. Oh okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, enough said. That's all you need. That's all that needs to be said. It's civil war, spy stuff, and uh, epic win. I mean, the guy he rides a train from place to place before you know, you know, to get to his missions, and he has like a parlor room and all that kind of stuff in the train and all that wacky nonsense, which is awesome. He gets attacked sometimes on the train, and that's when like secret compartments come out and has the stuff that he needs. In every single room that he's in, so that makes it just like all kinds of convenient and cool at the same time. Wow, that sounds pretty neat. My uh, my my grandpa used to you know sit me down and we used to watch reruns of it. Uh, you know when I was when I was little, and uh, it, it was one of the few shows that were like so awesome that I couldn't. I, I wanted to watch it every single time it happened. That and uh, Ultraman. Ultraman. <laughs> never seen I never, Ultraman. I haven't seen that either. 
No, it's just it's based off the uh, the uh, the character you know from the Japanese place Ultraman, and then I saw they 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 uh, translated it, you know, they dubbed it to English, and they showed it every now and then. And this was back during the day where uh, anything that was super big robots and uh, beat them up was awesome. I mean, today I would probably hate it like quite a bit, but ne- uh, before back then it was all kinds of awesome. So yeah, now that I completely derailed the topic, how much time do we have? Oh, <laughs> that's how much time right we on have. Time. Yep. Smooth as ice. Sweet. Okay. Number two. Uh, that's Alex again. All right. I'm going to go with the super serious face. I mean, like, you, you'll have no idea how serious face this topic is. All right. I want to go with hypocrites with life standard as in like their expectations on like protecting life people who are so enthralled with anti-death that they don't understand their their position in the universe and how that also relates to role-playing what (laughs) basically uh, yeah this is some serious face here Okay. Basically, there's a quite a bit of people who have like weird um, understandings on how uh, life works mm. in terms of you know uh, having to kill things for food and uh, all that jazz, and it um, it's it's so strange because there's so many standards that are you know you know when when you're when you're alive it's constant life death life death it's survival of the fittest. And a lot of people who um, who think that um, like it's not you know it's not cool to kill animals for food and all that kind of stuff. A lot of it is yeah, if it's not necessary, you shouldn't kill, but you need to kill eventually because there's you know there's population control and all that kind of stuff. So it's something that I feel everyone needs to accept that idea that it has to be done eventually, mm-hmm. and. Um, it affects role playing quite a bit because there's quite a few of those people who impose their uh, ideals into a game versus um you know just acting as the character hmm. so uh, yeah really well do you mean like um people who ask to veil animal hurting and stuff like that you know when it's or, in the or, game or like things like uh i i'm going to play a pacifist in D&D oh <laughs> You know yeah, things I mean, like that, where where they 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 go against the ideals of the game, just so that way they can impose their their uh, their concepts of how they think life works. So really, you're talking about somebody who basically uses the game as like a vehicle for their own like existential philosophies and shit. That too, that could be true. So what do you guys think? I um. Hmm. I know it's hard hitting question. That's. It is. It's very hard hitting. I mean, it it's sort of the inverse of a discussion we had on the first topic, Wayne, where I was talking about how everyone plays D&D kind of unconscious of the violence that is in it, but very conscious whenever sexuality enters the game, mm-hmm. especially if it's not, um, especially if it's could be perceived as deviant sexuality. You know, they engage in all sorts of acts of, well, I guess there isn't, like, well, there are, um, there is 
you know, acceptable violence and deviant, deviant violence, I guess. Although it seems kind of strange to put it that way. But, I mean, they'll engage in all sorts of, of violent acts, but the minute that unusual sexuality enters the game, it's like, whoa, well, I didn't sign up for this. But I see what you're talking about. In some ways, people do the same thing with violence in the game, or are they... Um, or, well, no, I mean, it can't be the same because everyone kind of expects there to be violence in D&D. So you're saying, saying that they're sort of subverting D&D almost as an act of protest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wasn't thinking exactly that, but just people who use their ideals and they impose it in the game versus mm. just playing the game for what it's supposed to be. Okay, so uh, imposing their ideals at all in the game, then, not just as concerned as violence. And killing, yeah. but just taking D&D and using it as a soapbox. Or taking any game, any RPG, and using it as a soapbox. Yeah, well, that's what I really meant. I used the, the whole life-death thing as, a, as a, a platform of what I meant. So that, there you go. Now you have some clarity. And we probably have like less than five minutes. Go ahead. Five minutes and 30 seconds. Rudy, what do you think? Um, I don't really... Uh... I mean, I know I've probably played with some people like that. Uh, probably. Online. <laughs> who, uh, well, just to get back to the example of, like, deviant sexuality in games. Like, I was in a game one time, and uh, Hank was in this game, too, um, where basically, I think I was playing a pedophile character, and uh, he was playing a character who was not a pedophile, but was a young girl who was uh, <laughs> very sexually active. Well, she isn't sexually active, and this came well, up... We actually used exactly this example in the last topic, like, if you go back. <laughs> uh, but the point is that she isn't, but that she's one of those teenagers who wants everyone to think that they are, you know, as a status right. thing. But she really has no idea what she's talking about. But anyway, yes. Right. But, uh... Some people got a little bit upset about yes. that, and uh, basically the game fell apart, and we wound up uh, having a big discussion on another set of forums mm -hmm. um, about, I don't know, what even was that discussion about? I mean, it was like, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't do this in the game because it might trigger someone, is that kind of what the I, deal was? Or? I, no, I don't think so. I think you're projecting uh, the in the RPG community climate onto this discussion. I think it was just, that shit is offensive. That should be nowhere near my game. Not not anything about triggering. Just, you can't deal with that content in an RPG. D&D &D isn't about that. That's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, and I just think that's kind of retarded. But that's not using the game as a soapbox, though. That's refusing to allow content in the game. This is... As opposed to taking content and pushing it into the game, using the game to force a discussion on the players, as opposed to refusing to have the discussion in the game and then having it outside the game. I, I don't know. I mean, this is a difficult question, I guess, because I'm of two minds. On one hand, I really believe that games have a place when it comes to providing social commentary or satire 
or, 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 or you know, whatever, something in, in that area. And I wouldn't design the kinds of games I design. You know, I wouldn't have designed Welfare Queens, for example, if I didn't believe that. But I also find shrill, just preachy social commentary in any form really fucking obnoxious. You know, and I think the reality is in games, it would depend on whether it was a DM doing it or the player doing it, assuming this is a game that has a GM, and whether it was a game doing it or the player is doing it. I think that having a player who wants to use the game to, you know, get on the soapbox and preach about his topic is fine, as long as the other players are given an opportunity to undermine and challenge that in-game through play. However, I think if the GM is going to do it, and the GM is going to do it in a um, way that constrains the ability of the players to challenge the GM's point of view in play, I think that's a problem. And I think if if a game is designed to preach one viewpoint without the possibility of the game being used to frustrate that viewpoint, to challenge that viewpoint... Or, or giving players the opportunity to undermine it and play, I think that's shitty, annoying game design. Yeah. And, and I think that's what it comes down to, is any message, any fucking message you're preaching in the game, I don't care how sure you are that it's good and righteous and holy, and how well it agrees with the consensus of your friends and, and everyone else you know. You have to leave the opportunity for that viewpoint to be challenged because that's where all that, that's where everything interesting in the game happens is when something is challenged, when something is frustrated, when something is questioned. So, yeah, yeah, I pretty much agree with that. How much time? Oh, we have about 30 seconds, a little less than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. All right, um, yeah, uh, I. I would prefer a player to do that versus the actual game itself, and uh, that yeah. is half the fun, is making fun of somebody's ideals, especially <laughs> if you think it's ludicrous. Yeah, and there should be a space in the game to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the alarm. There it is. So what do we have left? We have um, one of Rudy's and one of mine. Yep. So let's see. I uh, got two again, so I'm going to have to re-roll it. Got four. Three hours later. Oh, Did we do that one already? Well, that's um, that's mine anyway. <laughs> okay. I mean, technically that's my even one, but I can use my odd one for that. Right-o. Okay. So, so here's my pitch, right? Mm. You're able to travel back in time and assemble the ideal gaming group. You can grab anyone from history. You grab four people. What four people do you grab, and what game are you going to play with them? Huh. Wow. Any four people. And I didn't come up with an answer to this question. (laughs) I think this is a great example of the previous topic about people imposing their shit. (laughs) 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 <laughs> anyways um i'll go ahead and start um yeah. 
the four people that I would pick it would basically just be my friends. There's there's no one important I really care about. Um, really, you have all you can play with your friends anytime. You've got all of history to choose from, and you <laughs> you can go back and play with your friends later. But still, your friends. Well, that's assuming that I still hang out with every single member of them. Oh, true. Yeah. Oh, made, made a little sadder right there, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, because, you know, as life progresses, you know, people move on, people may die, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, all kinds of badness happens. So it would be lovely to be able to meet uh, and play with the friends that I uh, enjoyed before. And, um, hmm. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. What game would you play? Uh, the game itself would never matter. Like, just the opportunity to be with them again. Like, um, Connect 4, Hopscotch, Dodgeball. So it be an RPG, then? It doesn't need to be an RPG. It just needs to be a game. Because uh, RPGs are... They're usually never a good foundation just for pure fun. It's meant <laughs> for storytelling. Most of the time. Rudy? I know it's a side comment that could go on for a full debate, but... I know, I was like, there's a whole topic there, but <laughs> maybe next time. So I can grab anybody from any time during history. Yes, yes. Um, what about prehistory? Yeah, sure. Okay, then I grab two cavemen, <laughs> an African-American slave, and probably Jane Austen, just so we can have a female player. Okay. And we play, uh, oh, we play Dungeons and Dragons that just go with the standard. Why? As for, as for why I would play, I would play with those groups. Well, um, I mean, the two cavemen would be fun just to watch. I mean, they're obviously not really going to, they're going to be more of the watcher type of player who, who just kind of sits there and throws Cheetos, or in this case, beats each other over the head and Maybe one of them will try to club Jane Austen and take her into his cave. Um, the slave is there um, basically to do all the uh, the boring, you know, legwork of D&D. So basically I'll have the slave do like initiative and, <laughs> and uh, you know, like fucking, um, you know, all the help the DM tasks, that mm -hmm. kind of shit. Uh, Jane Austen is there basically just for eye candy, I'll be honest. Um, I uh, think she was a rather attractive woman. And uh, I didn't really care for her stories. But um, I think she'd probably be... She'd be probably one of the funny voices D&D players, you know. Somebody who gets into it and is, like, you know, talking in funny voices and shit. What did Ron Edwards call those? The funny, funny uh, hats or funny something? Funny hats, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think she'd be one of those type of players and that would just be really interesting to see and then it, when it was over i mean basically you could just i mean you'd still have two cavemen a slave and jane austen so even if the game went shitty you, you could still have some fun with that okay so, yeah i'm still trying to figure mine out well okay well let me say this i've got two answers uh, Alex has reminded me of a possible answer, which is that I use it to reassemble the old gaming group. See, I was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would get, um, yeah. Well, you, I could take from the present, 
we'd have to travel back in time to a point where Brandon was tolerable, but hadn't <laughs> yet decided that he didn't want anything to do with us. We could get, we'd have to travel quite far back in time to find my sister at a point where she still wanted to play D&D. <laughs> and then for the fourth player, um... We should get Ryan. Ryan, you think? I think so. Our listeners don't know any of these people, but yeah, okay, Ryan Reed. Because we need somebody who's crazy off the wall and doesn't really know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> and then, boom, we'd play D&D, third edition. That's yeah. easy. But I was trying to think of something that would actually answer my question. Well, I mean, that answers my question, but you know, that wouldn't wasn't just stealing Alex's answer. And this is what I've got so far, right? So I would get Dostoevsky to DM, because there's, <laughs> there's no better D- I mean, who can juggle more characters at once with the level of sophistication and, like, psychological depths that Dostoevsky can? Um, for players i was thinking okay well okay surian mckellen i candy <laughs> once again i can't surian mckellen and brian cranston because like oh yeah awesome actors right to play yeah. characters um then you need somebody who you want to grief because you need the one player who uh i i remember <laughs> RBG Pundit had his post, some post on his blog about the Omega player, who's the player who exists just to be in the group so everyone else can pick on them. <laughs> <laughs> and you need that in some ways. It's true, I think, that you need some guy, well, you don't need it. But in some ways, games are enriched by the guy that everyone, like, wants to take a shit on because their play style is fundamentally different or whatever. And I think Robert Jordan would be the best <laughs> historical character to fill that niche and then i don't know i mean you need somebody kind of crazy um for some reason benjamin disraeli popped into my head (laughs) (laughs) i mean he was a pretty crazy kooky guy if you read about him but it could be him it could be um oh i don't know it could be someone like hp lovecraft so you have the crazy racist guy lovecraft would be uh, who else is you know you need you need somebody who's kind of zany the zany player or um oh I don't know there's, there's there's a whole bunch of different ways you could go with that the game I'm not sure does does Archipelago 2 have a GM I haven't played Archipelago 2 but I heard it's really good for making like in-depth narratives I don't think it has a GM. Oh, I think you, yeah, you rotate around and kind of tell a story. Okay. See, I need I need a G I need a game that tells a, that I haven't played yet because I want it to be a new game because I should be learning with them. Mm. But I want it to be a game that would take advantage of. Oh, you know who my other player is? Vladimir Nabokov. <laughs> Gotta have Nabokov in there. And I would insist that he play... Well, he'd want to play some psychologically damaged neurotic character. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I don't know. What would be a good game for doing that? For doing, like... It has to be fairly free, you know, so that it's not too... It can't be a um, game that is too heavily structured towards telling a single type of story. It has to be a game that can tell a lot of different stories, and utilizes a GM. I got 
It's simple. Yeah. So crystal clear. Yeah. Hmm. That I like uh, tempting and baiting you guys in order to, you know, bated breath there. <laughs> the never-ending story. That that's a. <laughs> ne- I, I've heard of the movie. Is it a game too? Oh yeah, it's complete G form. Complete G form. So <laughs> just reformat. Yeah, that's exactly what you need. You just said it yourself, sir. What the hell? <laughs> you know what? That's, that's a good point. Actually, in my time is running out here, but you know what I would do? I would take those pit play- players. And I would do chat-based... Oh, there's the alarm. I would do chat-based freeform. Something like the Keep or ISRP. Because then they'd all have to type out their answers. Which would Uh, improve Robert Jordan and Nabokov and Dostoevsky. Although it would kind of diminish the reason to have any real actors in there. Robert Jordan would type up like... Everyone would be like, come on, Robert Jordan, come on, we're waiting for you. And then you'd see this huge block of text hit the screen that scrolls the whole screen, and it's one tiny action described in, like, meticulous detail. Yeah. Or what somebody's wearing or something. Right. Meanwhile, Dostoevsky's doing, like, six, yeah, yeah, you pull up Robert Jordan's descri- character description, and it's, like, three pages long, <laughs> three screen lengths long. Or, But, okay, that... Time was up for that. Right. Uh, okay, so I guess three. I'm the only one left with my serious business topic. Yes. My serious business topic is a semi-serious one, but I think it can be taken seriously. Um, it's basically problem players in games. What you think of them, uh, what you can do to uh, avoid them, maybe. Uh, and... Uh, your experiences with problem players, etc. Oh boy, this sounds like bait. This is yeah. fresh meat in the water. <laughs> I'll go ahead and start it off then. There's nope. the, uh, the 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 difference. I mean, the problem that I ever have with problem players has everything to do with um, the extreme uh, parts of our of our play group. You know what people <laughs> consider a play group. Like, I've dealt with the, the mid-maxer, the guy who knows everything in the dungeon manual, you know, the monster manual. And uh, when the DM decides to bring out a monster, the guy knows exactly how to fix it. And because he has, like, plus seven to hit at level one, he can easily kill it with the greatest of ease. You know, just things like that. That's one mm-hmm. problem player. The other problem player would be the one who's so non-committal to anything and is so uninterested that there's no reason for them to even be there. Um, And then the third player that I find uh, a problem is the one that um, just does things to get himself killed and expects the (laughs) DM to uh, save him every time to keep the story progressing. Those are my three problem players. Uh, The first one, the easiest way to do it is to introduce new shit all the time. Because that way they can't use their their pre-game knowledge to uh to to fix the game to cheat, basically. Because yeah. most of those mid-max players are meta gamers. They use outside yeah. knowledge all the time. Yes, they do. So um, so all you have to do in order to fix that is just start using outside game knowledge, and <laughs> um, you know, just start throwing things at them that are completely un you know unrelated to the game. Or monsters that are not in the manual or anything like that. Just made up stuff. 
Uh, so that's an easy fix, really easy fix. Uh, the ones that are non-committal make their non-committal answers uh, matter instead of them being uh, thrown away to the side and the other character, other players uh, do the actions for him. So like um, if the person has no clue about what they want to do, start putting like a pacing uh you know style like you know if you're dming start putting a pacing towards the uh towards their actions and then you'll start getting more commitment to what they have to say or what they have to do in the game or else they'll start getting fucked over severely and uh, they'll either quit or like you know catch on and they'll probably they'll more likely catch on like uh one player who had like who was very non-committal in their decisions in the game and it would be more like things like hey let's not do anything in this game uh so they would be like okay like hey what would you want to do bard i'm gonna go sit in the bar and uh, wait for everyone else to finish their game you know finish what they're doing you know that that kind of non-committal thing um basically make it to where things happen wherever they go and uh you know no matter yeah just enforce stuff onto them you're going to have to be heavy-handed on them basically right um and then the final one the one that um just causes trouble uh actually kill their character yeah Easy. <laughs> and then when they make a new one, they're going to realize that they can't get away with it. Yeah. Or or humiliate them in the worst ways. Either kill them or humiliate their characters in the worst ways. Right. Rudy, okay. now is this coming from somewhere? What, what did you have to say about this? Uh, it might maybe be coming from our own group sometimes. Maybe sort of. Sometimes all the time? Yeah. You want to talk about your experiences, Rudy? Well, the strangest type of player that I've encountered, I ain't going to mention any names, but um, is a player who will basically get there and be cool with everything. You know, be cool with the game we're doing, be cool with setting or whatever, or, you know, character creation. And then at some point during the game, usually after something goes, uh, well, actually, no, after the game. Usually after the game, they'll be like, you'll, you'll ask them what they thought about the game. They'll be like, eh, didn't really like it. And it's like, to me, that's a problem player because basically you can't tell what people like to play. You can't have an honest discussion about, like, what everybody wants to play. Yeah. And that that kind of player comes up sort of a lot. Yeah, that, was, that, that wasn't the problem player I thought you were going to mention. Oh. I, I thought you were going to talk about someone who just derails games regularly. Not going to mention names there either. There's but, that. <laughs> yeah, the person who... And there was a thread about this on Story Games. Right. I, I think it was called uh, My Players Don't Like the Games That They Enjoy. <laughs> right. and, and, and it's a player who seems to be having fun throughout the game. Is giving, you know every sign that they are enjoying the game and then after the game's over they say eh, you know i didn't really care for it and then but that, that's something that's okay you ask them why and they don't really can't really tell you anything eh, i don't know didn't, didn't didn't really like it it's like well why well, you know it wasn't one of my type of game well i don't know that is bewildering it is and what do you do as a, especially if you're playing your own game as a designer right, and you're looking right. for feedback and you get, I didn't like it, but I can't tell you why. <laughs> well, what the fuck do you do with that? Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is 
from a design standpoint, that's really frustrating. Because you can't tell what the fuck went wrong, if anything. And sometimes nothing went wrong. Sometimes it's just they don't want to communicate or can't communicate the way they feel about the game. I don't right. know. Well, I, I got I got an idea for an answer there of like why they do that. It's because they don't want to tell you the truth of what they hated in the game, so they yeah. just they, they just yeah. go they they do the non-committal answer. Yeah. And basically, um, the only thing you can do is gain their trust and you know let them know that I'm not going to kick you out of the group if you say my my <laughs> ideas are shit. Yeah. Well, these are people. I was going to say these are people we've been playing with for a few years. Yeah. And they're still doing this. So, um. I'd say problem players, I don't know. You know, there's one perspective we haven't talked about here, which is that uh, I know Rudy and I, and I suspect Alex, we've all been problem players ourselves at one point. (laughs) You know, we've all been the guy who makes the game stop. Yeah. because, Because of the way we play, because what we expected out of the game wasn't what the other players wanted. Or because we introduced subject matter that other people didn't want to touch, or because we um, killed somebody's character, or <laughs> you, you yeah. know whatever, because we uh, because we trolled basically. Yeah. Oh well, I gotta tell you this one: you you bring up the greatest of points, and that is, who's the problem? Is it the player, or is it the group that thinks the player is the problem? Because it's an because yeah, there's there that's an outsider's reference. Like, oh, there's the vampire. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Alex, there's a big, easy little trick to figure out the answer to that question. Look at yourself. Are you in the group? Or are you the player? If you were in the group, then the other lone solitary player is in the wrong. If it's you on the outside, and the rest of the group disagrees with you, then the group is in the wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, you use that that little trick, and you'll never be wrong. (laughs) But it is true, though. There there are people who have certain expectations, and when a problem, in quotes, comes along, it could be the actual person, and not the actual player that's the, the, the problem player. It could be that group. Because right. their expectations are different than what the everyone else is. Right. And it, it could be that no one is really the problem player. It could be just, as you said, a difference in expectations. What different, different players wanted different things out of the game. But I think that's kind of a cop-out. Because I do believe that some play styles um, lead players... And I mentioned this, once again, we're referencing the old topic, Wank. I think there are some play styles that innately draw people, oh, and that's the timer, that encourage people to play outside the game. And I think those are problematic. Play styles that basically say, no, we need to stop the game, and we need to do this now. Whether it's look in the manual, or whether it's fight because I didn't get my way, or whether it's item shop for an hour and a half, or we need to talk about this because material has been brought up and I'm not comfortable with it and I'm going to stop the game to talk about it. I think play styles where the problems are handled 
outside of play are problematic. And play styles where issues are resolved in play are maybe not the healthiest in the world, but generally are not nearly as problematic as anything that says game needs to stop, we need to go out of the game, and we need to resolve this. Uh, just to, as a quick follow-up there, I wasn't. It's it's not really a cop out because it's. I'm saying the bulk of people's problems with problem players is mainly just a difference in style, right? And, right. and that there's only a select few that are actually um, totalitarian in their style of gaming, which is the problem. Right. And for the record, I wasn't calling your your what you said a cop out. I was calling what I said a cop out. Although uh, they have to be almost the same thing so i guess that's not <laughs> i guess i don't get to wiggle out of that one so um we've covered all six topics what are we at now alex we're at um something 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 it should be at just a little over an hour really yeah six topics 10 minutes each in theory we should be like a, probably like 110 because like you know, like five minutes to intro bullshit right yeah so um any Final thoughts, final reflections on topic wank. Mm. I, I didn't really have fun. Aw. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I can't I can't explain it to you. Can't explain it? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Oh that's it. That's it. Fuck it. I'm done. Microphone coming out. I'm unplugging my microphone this time, motherfucker. Huh. Did, are, we, are we still recording? <laughs> <laughs>